Homeschooling has become a haven for kids the traditional school system has failed in some way. It's not that there aren't great programs and talented teachers in the system. It's mostly that the system may simply not fit your special needs child. We're talking with Patrice Fagnant MacArthur today about educating your special needs child at home. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hey, I'm Lisa Maladnik. Welcome to the program. I'm really excited about today's topic. It's so important that moms and dads understand that they're not alone in the struggle, that there are sort of milestones and, and places of hope and, and resources to lean into in our, in our walk with God and our walk with our special needs kids. I'd like you to meet a wonderful uh, author and homeschooling mother of three children, Patrice Fagnant MacArthur. She's the editor of todayscatholichomeschooling.com and a Catholic writer and editor. She's also the author of a book called The Power of Forgiveness. And uh, Patrice, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking time on this really important topic. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. So why don't you step us into, first of all, just tell us a little about, about you and your family, and, and then I'll, you know, we'll just kind of go through what it's like to kind of figure it all out and start to untangle it for ourselves and our own specific kids. Certainly. As you indicated, I'm a homeschooling mom of three. My oldest actually just graduated from high school in May. Um, So I have one that is done. Um, I have, so I have an 18 year old. I have a 16 year old who is doing dual enrollment this coming year at our local community college. So he's doing that for his senior year. And then I have an eight-year-old daughter who's going into third grade. Um, And all of my children have had special needs of one type or another. My oldest is on the autism spectrum. My second uh, has dysgraphia, which is difficulty with writing and written expression. And my youngest is dyslexic and seems to be borderline ADHD. Uh, She's also adopted, which brings with it another set of issues. So this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, First, let's start with, uh, for the parents listening, um, is it necessary when you're working with a child with any kind of special needs, is it helpful to get a diagnosis? It can be. Not all parents choose to seek out a diagnosis, um, but it can be helpful in terms of understanding the particular challenges your child is having. Uh, When my oldest was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum, I was totally shocked by that. Uh, The vision of autism I had in my mind was not how he presented himself. And it turned out he was a high-functioning autism, which I wasn't familiar with at all at that time. And having that diagnosis led me to do a lot of research, to understand, and to really be able to relate to him and parent him in a much better way than I would have otherwise. So my feeling is, even if you just suspect that your child might be different in some way, you know, than the usual neurotypical, to do research, to talk to other parents, even if you don't necessarily discuss it with a professional at that moment in time, to look for avenues and way you can help your child. That's how I see the diagnosis as being helpful, because it helps you be a better parent. 
from a practical consideration, a diagnosis from a professional is helpful if you plan to re-enter the school system at any point and will be in need of special education services, or if you're looking to get professional services of any type from an occupational therapist, speech therapist, et cetera, you're going to want to have that professional diagnosis. Is there any downside? I mean, some parents choose not to get their children diagnosed. What would you say their reasoning is on that? I think a lot of parents just don't want to have their child burdened with a label. And that's certainly a a valid concern. They don't want to have it be uh, an excuse for poor behavior or what have you. Um, And that's certainly understandable. I see it as a means of understanding, but parents can certainly make their own decision. In any event, though, I do feel that education is powerful. Understanding how the brain works, how different challenges present themselves, and how you can parent most effectively and homeschool more effectively, that's going to be a blessing for both you and your child. Yeah, it just seems like knowledge is power. And and doesn't mean that you have to go around forcing a label on your child, but that information certainly um, helps you to step outside, you know, whatever your expectations were for your child. We all start homeschooling with a vision of what we think it's going to be like, and, yeah. and we're never right. No. <laughs> I mean, no matter who your child is, they're individuals, and they have all their quirks and their strengths and weaknesses. And Gosh, adapting can be just such agony, right? It it can. (laughs) It can. It's a painful process. We all evolve as we're homeschooling. Yes, absolutely right. What are some of the typical struggles that you face in terms of educating your kids? Well, in terms of my oldest and being on the autism spectrum, he had a lot of anxiety. And anytime a new topic was introduced that would really cause his stress levels to go off the chart. And when you're learning, it's constantly new topics. There's something is always changing. And it was just such a challenge uh, to help him feel comfortable to try to reduce that stress level. In terms of my other children, um, trying to adapt, having uh, less written expression or to use technology, to use typing as opposed to handwriting. And with my daughter, we're currently working with a reading specialist to help her uh, learn how to uh, read better because what I was doing just wasn't enough. She needed more help. So those have been some challenges that I have faced. Interesting. Yeah. Um, What are some ways that you help your kids not to see themselves as kind of boxed in by a disability? I think homeschooling really allows you to adapt your program to fit the child so that you can work with their strengths as opposed to always be pointing out, well, this is the area you're struggling in and, you know, and really having them focus on that hour in and day in and day out and have all the emphasis be on what they're having a hard time with. I think you can really work with their gifts and talents. We, you can have your lessons be focused on what they're interested in. Uh, For example, my oldest, People on the autism spectrum frequently have areas of interest that they're extremely focused on for a period of time, sometimes years, sometimes, you know, a few weeks, but whatever. When they're in that interest, that's the only thing they want to talk about. So I had my oldest do papers on things like football and video games or whatever his interest tended to be at the the moment. My second child is very focused in math. Homeschooling allowed us to move forward uh, much quicker in a math curriculum than he would have been able to do in, in a school. 
And my youngest, she needs a lot of activity. So I really try to work in a lot of physical activity into our days and take advantage of those uh, opportunities to have her be moving and to learn kinesthetically. Yeah, it's so true. A a child who's very kinesthetic can be labeled a bad kid very quickly and have their identity, you know, really heavily damaged. I remember seeing that when my daughter was still in a regular school. Um, Just in this particular case, it was just a a little boy who was very kinesthetic, who was being treated like a problem all of the time. And I just watched his enthusiasm crumble. So it's just so nice to hear a mom looking at her children, seeing them clearly, being able to adapt to support who they naturally are instead of always having to negate them by, you know, put it, pushing that, that round peg into a square hole. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is the great gift of homeschooling. Yeah. And it's interesting how the special needs kid is really benefiting from all the same things everyone else is. I love as, as a writing instructor for Homeschool Connections that I often encounter writing students who have a particular interest so that every sentence, paragraph, and essay tends to circle around that topic that they have such deep knowledge on. And it's a delight to have that enthusiasm come through and that self-led learning. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kinds of qualities uh, do you see developing in your kids as you're adapting to their strengths? What are you seeing emerging? Well, certainly they have a greater sense of self-confidence if they are able to focus on those strengths as opposed to their weaknesses. They still need to go out and function in the world. I always try to make sure that my children are involved in a lot of extracurricular activities so they are learning those valuable social skills. They're learning that people are different, that not everyone is like them. So those are skills that everyone does need to learn, homeschooled or not. And you, you touched on stress levels for your kids. Uh-huh. How, what are some ways to um, kind of keep stress levels under control for kids who are easily overstimulated? Well, certainly in homeschooling, we have the ability to focus far less on testing. Uh, and that can be a huge stressor. Children are able to demonstrate that they know their knowledge via other means. It doesn't necessarily need to be a written or oral exam. They can simply talk about the subject with you and you understand that they know a lot about this topic. (laughs) Right. It makes me think of Charlotte Mason learning with the narrations. There's so many ways to help a child to delve into their own ability to connect ideas, to tell something back. Um, there There are a lot of ways to draw children out, aren't there? There are. And so I think definitely think that's a huge stress uh, reducer. Uh, in terms of a child who has a great difficulty with the physical act of writing, of getting ideas from their mind onto paper and to physically write, you know, have handwriting in terms of being able to use uh, technology. And certainly they do that in school as well, but to allow them to use typing. Some people have great success with speech to text programs. Uh, or to have them be able to present their ideas orally and you write them down and then have them type them. That's another way to cope with that and help reduce that stress of writing. One thing I found helped my children a lot when they were getting stressed was uh, the act of chewing. So we would have them chew gum if they were starting <laughs> to get worked out. And other people have uh, those chewing necklaces or you know, a fidget toy or what have you. There's so many um, examples of things you can do to help your child reduce their stress level. For a child who does not like sitting still, certainly incorporating that physical activity, making sure they get physical activity before you try to do a lesson uh, can be a huge benefit. 
So what kinds of extracurriculars do you find are really helpful to your kids and what are the benefits? Well, certainly in terms of extracurriculars, I would say to go with whatever your child's strengths are. Some children are going to absolutely love sports. Uh, mine were never particularly into it, um, but they did get into acting, uh, which proved to be incredibly beneficial. It really helped them with their emotional regulation. They serve as altar servers. My second son volunteers at a library, which is great. He's very introverted. It's a wonderful volunteer position for him. <laughs> Gets to go. So I think really working with what your child is good at and wants to do. My youngest is very extroverted. She really likes to be with people. So I make sure that every day we have an activity, especially because there's such an age gap between her and her older siblings, that she's able to be with her peers and able to get exercise and interact with people. So whatever works for your child, I think you definitely need to work with their temperament and their interests and find something that's going to be beneficial for them. Yeah, when my daughter was doing martial arts, there were a lot of special needs kids enrolled in martial arts. There's so much about that environment of being social, of interacting with, you know, kindly instructors and learning balance and learning the order of movements and all of that. And of course, the, the physical expenditure of energy and, and all of that in a, in a very regulated environment. Everyone's wearing the same outfit even. You know? So it's, I, I, would, I get this sense that when they're there and they're like everybody else in terms of how they look and the movements and everything else, there's really this feeling of camaraderie too that seemed to develop. Absolutely. Especially teenagers. They need to be with a group of people working towards a goal. They really need that sense of purpose in their lives. So anytime you can find an opportunity for a child or teen to be part of a uh, team environment like that is a positive experience. Tell us a little bit about emotional regulation. What's that been like? And, and just maybe define the term for us a little bit. Sure. Emotional regulation is when a child or teen is aware of what's going on with their emotions. They understand what might be a trigger for them to become dysregulated and to go into a meltdown type situation where they're out of control. Um, anyone who has a child on the autism spectrum is probably familiar with that term of meltdown. Same thing with ADHD. They just reach a point where their body is so stressed that they have almost what's looking like a temper tantrum, but it's not. It's really a response to stress. They don't know how to process the stress that's coming in, uh, whether it be sensory information or something that's actually happening to them um, or an emotional stress like the anxiety of school um, can bring it on as well. And so you want your child or teen, especially as they, as they grow, to be able to manage that a little bit better. I know with my oldest, it took a lot of counseling and certainly acting classes helped to get him to the point where now he recognizes what his stress is. He can be aware, oh, I haven't had anything to eat for a while. If I have something to eat, I'm going to feel better and be better able to face whatever is going on in my life. I need to make sure I get enough sleep in order to function well. If this thing I'm doing right now is stressing me out, I should walk away from it from a little while. <laughs> so these are the types of things that maybe you and I do automatically, but for a child that really struggles with it, it's a process to learn how to recognize what they're feeling and make an appropriate choice to stop a meltdown before it starts. 
Yeah, you know, it's. I'm thinking of um, the Rizzos. There are a couple that have created beautiful mass resources for children on the autism spectrum. But one of the things that really stood out for me is once when I was talking to them, um, I, I it just it had never occurred to me before how autis, autistic kids, especially if they're high functioning, can kind of their their disability can be invisible to most of the world. And so our kids can get very judged by other people's assumptions about them. Like a kid who maybe just looks older than he is, but isn't on the autism spectrum might get judged for acting younger than they think or whatever it is. I mean, we all can have our kids misjudged. Um, but, but certainly a child who's struggling with reading social cues or being appropriate in a certain place or getting overstimulated during mass or something like that, probably draws a certain amount of pressure from people around you. What is that like and how, how, any tips for parents dealing with that? It can be extremely challenging. Um, I always said about my oldest, you know, he would look very normal until all of a sudden he didn't. And it would be like flipping a switch. And, and I mean, fortunately, I haven't had encountered a whole lot of judgment. I mean, most of the judgment probably came from more inside of my head, being more concerned about what people were thinking versus what people were actually thinking. <laughs> but it can be so difficult to be in those situations and to feel like people are judging you. And to compare your child to other children, it's, it's so important to try not to do that. And it's so hard in today's world, especially with social media, you know, you go looking through social media, it's like, oh, look what all these kids are doing, and mine isn't doing that. And it can be hard to you get caught up in that hamster wheel. And it's important to focus on your child, to focus on their gifts, and to express gratitude to God for the children you have. And that's a daily process. It's something that you keep working on day by day. What about self-care, Patrice? Uh, it's, uh, you're, you have a lot of extra stress in your life because you have to work harder at, at making the, you know, whatever milestones are possible for your kids. And you have to be more creative, a lot more dedicated in some respects. Um, what are some ways that you keep yourself from getting completely burned out? Self-care is important. It's important for all moms. And I haven't always been the best at it. I'm the first one to admit it. Um, now that my children are older, thankfully, I do have more time to focus a little bit more on myself. But things that I've always tried to do is go for a walk every day. You know, not necessarily a long walk, maybe 20 minutes, but enough to, to uh, get some exercise and help my mental health. Um, certainly uh, making time for prayer every day. You know, that's the number one priority. If you don't have prayer, you're not going to be able to get through motherhood <laughs> you know <laughs> for me enjoying some chocolate has always been a, a bit of self-care you know I, I enjoy chocolate oh yeah um, me too it's, it's the little things that you do like what makes you happy and feel fulfilled doing some reading um working on my writing those are things that help me feel more like a person that's probably a better way to say that. But in terms of self-care and, and, and treating yourself as an individual instead of just being mom, I think is important. Well, yeah. I mean, being a mom can be very draining. You can sort of feel like your identity is draining out into the things you do instead of who you are. It's that, that whole struggle between being and doing, right? But that prayer time helps us to just be with he who is and, and is, you know, gives us our existence and, uh, and just that walking and that, that bite of chocolate and maybe a cup of coffee or whatever it is, or a, maybe a few minutes chat with a good friend or, 
or some other diversion that just helps. I know as a life coach that a lot of my clients have certain things that can kind of help recalibrate them, whether it's digging in the garden or going to adoration or whatever it is, that finding that thing can be really helpful, can be very stabilizing. You mentioned having good friends. I think that's so important for homeschoolers to to have both in real life friends and online friends. Um, We're so blessed today through social media to be able to connect with homeschoolers around the world. And there are groups set up for people who are homeschooling children with special needs of various types. And they can definitely be your tribe in terms of when you've had a bad day or you need help or advice. And those in real life homeschoolers that you know in your community to be able to get with them and sit with them and chat is a great blessing as well. And I think the more we talk with other moms, the better we get at it, the more we help others without even realizing it sometimes, just sharing our struggles, having the courage to say out loud, my, my day didn't go anything like the way I planned it. I had to give it up to God today. Or, you know what, I was in tears before breakfast today, <laughs> but, you know, knowing I was going to come and see you guys today really lifted my spirits or something like that. Like that truth telling, I feel like helps just banish the isolation that that is the enemy, I think, of family life. We really need to be connected. Yes, we absolutely do. And they can be such a support to you and you to them. And it's a friends are a true blessing. What, what other things have been good resources for you? Any kind of resources, whether they're books or people or online kinds of things have been a help. Um, I definitely feel online communities have been a huge help. The Facebook groups uh, in terms of homeschooling, uh, special needs have been huge, uh, connecting with other parents of children on the spectrum or those who struggle with reading or writing or whatever skill has been hugely beneficial. Just to understand that you're not alone. I think that's the biggest thing. Sometimes we can feel so isolated or feel like we're the only one who's struggling or having a bad day. And then you realize there are other people out there and maybe they have a suggestion or maybe else they can offer is prayer for you, but that prayer can be so powerful. And I, I, yeah, those groups have been hugely beneficial. Yeah, I think it would be great um, if all homeschoolers said a little prayer every day for other homeschooling families, um, whatever their needs. Because I know when I ask for prayer on social media, I always feel a lit. Absolutely. Helpable. <laughs> and, I, and I thank them so much for that because we are so connected with other people who have very heavy crosses and really know how to pray. They understand the power of it and they can pause for a moment in their day and help to channel some grace your way. Um, what are there, just anything in closing, Patrice, uh, final thoughts for other moms and dads at any point in this journey with special needs children? I think definitely understanding that it is a struggle. It is a burden that you're carrying an extra cross. And homeschooling is not easy for anyone. Homeschooling is a challenge. It's a calling from God. Um, But I do believe that if he calls you to it, he also gives you the strength to do it. And it won't be the strength. You know, you don't get like this strength for the next 12 years in one big package. You get the strength (laughs) for today. (laughs) Focus on today, whatever challenge your life is facing today. Um, and to bring all your worries to God in prayer, um, anything you're worried about with your children. I know I pray for our homeschool daily. I pray for their education. I pray for their jobs. I pray for learning how to drive. <laughs> like all those little things I bring to God and, and ask for his help with because I want them to be who God made them to be. That's the most important thing. I think for any of us, regardless of our child's abilities or challenges, 
we want them to be who God made them to be. And homeschooling is one way that we can help in that process to get them there. Excellent. It's just wonderful. Patrice, thanks so much. I really appreciate that, you know, that you have such a thoughtful approach to all of this. Um, we all have different gifts. You really have been analytical about it and has re- have really approached it with a lot of intentionality. And, and I have no doubt that your, your kids have been richly blessed through that. Everybody, please look for Patrice's work at todayscatholichomeschooling.com and look for her book, The Power of Forgiveness. Again, this has been our guest, Patrice Fagnant MacArthur, and I'm Lisa Maladnik. Hold on for a few more minutes. We have our short feature coming right up. Hello, my homeschooling friend. I'm Celeste Behe, and this is Story Strands. Now, be honest. Have you ever read your child a story that contained more repetition than you could handle? So you edited out some parts and hoped your child wouldn't notice? If you're like me, you've done that with the old favorite, the pokey little puppy. The part in which said puppy goes missing from atop a hill, causing a tedious search that ends when the puppy is found at the foot of the hill. That whole scene is repeated in the book times. And if three is also the number of times the baby woke you up last night, and also how many cups of coffee you needed to drink before 9 a.m., you just want story time to be over. I feel your pain. But did you know that the very repetition that is boring to you and me is actually beneficial to children? Studies show that repetition helps children remember information and build memory. Repetition is also comforting to children because the predictability lets them know what to expect. Repetition in stories allows children to join in the storytelling, thus building their confidence. Those are compelling reasons to use repetition. Here are three ways that you can include repetition in your original storytelling. Number one, use a circular format by beginning and ending your story with similar phrasing. For example, start with, this is a story I heard when I was a young child. And end with, this is a story I heard when I was a young child. And now you have heard it too. Number two, choose a phrase to repeat throughout. For example, I'll huff and I'll puff, etc. When you first use the phrase in your story, say it with emphasis. Next time you use it, have your child say it with you. And the third time, have your child say it by himself. Number three, take an incident, say an old lady swallowing a fly and repeat it, but add a twist with each repetition. In the classic tale, the old lady swallows first a fly, then a spider, then a bird, and so on. Similarly, go ahead and play with the details of your story, but keep the basics of the repeated incident constant. Do you want your child to benefit from the stories you spin? Then tell your tales with a circular format, a signature phrase, and a recurring incident. I'm Celeste Behe. 
please come visit me at celestebehe.com. And thank you for tuning in to Story Strands. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.